Good morning again, brothers and sisters. Last week, we talked a little bit about being united in worship, and this morning we will talk a little bit about being united in service, being united in service. And so I will ask you to rise if you are physically able. I want to read in your hearing this morning, John chapter 17 and verses 18 through 23. This falls within what's known as Jesus' high priestly prayer. I'll again read verses 18 through 23, but I want to concentrate on verses 21 through 23. So let me read that and then pray, and then take your seats. This is what the word of the Lord says. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake I consecrate myself, that they may also be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me. And love them even as you love me. Father, this is your word. And we stand here uh, wanting to be fed by it. Help me, Lord, to preach your word. Help your people to hear your word. We thank you for your word. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. United in service. Now, if you will think with me for a second, many of us, I don't want to assume all of us do, but many of us uh, perhaps like sports. (laughs) And Team sports require some sort of unison. How else can a team win a Super Bowl I said I wasn't going to talk much about it because I'm not one to brag or boast. <laughs> So whether you think about the Chiefs or whoever, if you are a sports team, it would be problematic if, say, the coach called one play, the quarterback, whether it's Patrick Mahomes or whoever, (laughs) goes to the huddle, calls a whole different play, 
And then the receivers decide to run a whole nother play. This would be problematic. And you would lessen your chance of winning the Super Bowl. And I'm glad that the Chiefs were all on the same page. And by the way, it doesn't have to be sports. It could be any sphere of life where multiple people are on the same team. You would need to be on the same page in order to accomplish whatever it is you're attempting to accomplish. And this is, in a nutshell, Jesus' desire for not only his apostles in this specific passage, but for the church as a whole. Jesus calls us to be not only united in worship, like last week, which we will be, but he calls us to be united in our service. So I want you to stay with me as I attempt to quickly or efficiently work through some of the points of this passage. You will, you will note that Jesus, at this particular point in John, he is nearing the end of his life, his earthly life, his time on earth. He is about to go to the cross for his people. He is about to pay the price for our sins. But just prior to this, he goes before the Father in prayer. And that's actually the first thing that I want us to take note of, is the fact that Jesus prays. Jesus, the Son of the living God. I've said this before in relation to Jesus. The one to whom and through whom all things were created. We read throughout the Gospels, whether it's Matthew, Mark, or Luke, or of course John, and you see Jesus doing a number of things. He's a healer. He goes about and he heals a multitude of people. He casts out demons. He calms the storm. He, does, he raises folks from the dead. He does all of these marvelous things and they're characteristic of his ministry. But not only that, he is one who is consistently in prayer. You will see all throughout various parts of the gospel, he'll He'll sneak away from the crowd, even his own disciples and apostles, and he'll spend all night in prayer. And a handful of times, we actually get a glimpse of what his prayer is. And this is one of those occasions. And why Jesus prays, you know, on some level, you attribute this to his humanity and, and some of the needs of his humanity. And I think that's fair, but I don't think it's solely a result of his humanity. Be simply because in Romans, the Holy Spirit prays and the Holy Spirit is divine and not human. But nonetheless, he prays. And for one, this is a prayer for not only his apostles, but this is a prayer for his church, for you and me. You know, there are certain people 
And, and, and I enjoy and I love to hear and to know that people are praying for me and pray for me. Amen? Pray for your pastor. And I'm especially excited when I know that certain folks are praying for me. Whether or not it's because they are at a certain place in, in their walk with Christ that I'm just like, man, if that person could pray for me, I'd be great. I'd feel wonderful. Or uh, It's various reasons for different people. And I stood before you here recently and prayed, and I hope that the Lord answers my prayers, our prayers. But here in this passage, this is Jesus, our Savior himself, praying. Again, not only for the apostles, the disciples, but the church for you and me. That is something that we should even just reflect upon to know that we have a great Savior who not only prays for us, but we are told that he lives to make intercession on our behalf. And so in this portion of Scripture, we should not run too quickly past the fact that we have a great Savior who is not only mindful of us in his work upon the cross, but he was mindful of us in his active prayer life. Amen? And let us follow in his footsteps in terms of our prayer life. Amen? Now, having said that Jesus prayed, in this portion of the passage, we see a specific request. We see a specific request. And again, I'm not going to focus overly uh, on the first few verses of the passage that we read. In these first few passages, or first few verses rather, uh, specifically in verse number 18, he referenced the fact that as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world, and for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be, may be sanctified in the truth. There's a number of things that could be said about this, but again, in a nutshell, just as Jesus has been set apart for his unique ministry so too are the disciples, so too is his church to be set apart for the name and for the sake of Christ as it accords with truth. But as it relates to his request, in verse number 21, it says that they may all be one. And on some level, he repeats this thought moving forward. Now, I want you to think about this for a second. Jesus is about to go to the cross. And not only is he about to go to the cross, he will be raised from the grave, but then not too long after, he is going to go and be with the Father. And as such, the disciples, I don't want to say they will be on their own, for Christ says that he will be with them, but he will be with them in a different way. He will no longer be physically walking with them as he once did. And as such, they are going to go out into the world. And not only are they going to go out into the world, we know that they're going to go out and they're going to meet all kinds of, of trials and tribulations and, of course, uh, experience death and persecution as a result of their witnessing for Christ. And Jesus says this prayer in their hearing 
that as they are sent out into the world, he wants them to be one. He wants them to be united. As a matter of fact, that is going to be extremely important as it results, as it, as it concerns their ministry. Because some are going to go in one area. Mark, for example, in Egypt, in that area, history tells us. And, and John's going to be in, in, in Asia Minor. And, and Peter's going to be another place. And all, these other, and all the disciples are going to be in various places in the world. And it's important for them to be united in what it is Christ is calling them to do. Namely, to take the gospel to the ends of the earth so that people may know of salvation in Jesus Christ. And so they are given this charge. And of course, elsewhere they have the opportunity to go out and heal folks and do all of these wonderful things. But Jesus wants them to know, as he prays to the Father, that they are to be one. And why is it? He references in this passage that just as Jesus and the Father are one. So too should they be one. And of course, we know that Jesus and the Father are united in their being, in their nature, in righteousness and holiness. And if we are going to be united to Christ, that means we should also be united to one another. And so he is saying this again in their hearing to the Father, that they must walk together. They must be united as they go out to do the work that they are being called to do. And what is the reason? First, we saw Christ praise. We just looked at the prayer request of Christ. Now, what is the reason? For Christ's prayer requests. He says this two times, both in verse 21 and in verse 23, that the world may see and that they may know of Jesus and his love. In other words, Jesus says that our being united together says something to the world. It says something about the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Jesus, again, in his prayer, and this is but a portion of the high priestly prayer, but for this specific part, he is saying that their unity has benefits not only for them, but it will have a benefit for all of the world as they witness this unity. Now, having said that, brothers and sisters, what, what can we take away from this as faith Christian fellowship? How can we, in our diverseness, is that a word? In our diversity, let's just keep it safe. How can we, as a matter of fact, that this is somewhat of a, of a joke, and my wife, she, she will bring it to my attention, but I had someone at my former church who kept a long list of words that I used that they had never heard before. <laughs> that they didn't think was in the English dictionary. And most of them weren't. But as the Spirit moves, you say whatever he gives. <laughs> but nonetheless, as Faith Christian Fellowship, 
How is it that we can be united in our service? What cues can we take from this passage of Scripture? First, I would say this. We can demonstrate union and service by being united in our devotion to Christ. Being united in our devotion to Christ. What stood at the center of the ministry of Christ's apostles? What is it that stood as the centerpiece? It was their relationship, their connection to the Son of God. They didn't go out and just talk about everything else. This is not to say they didn't talk about practical things. Obviously they did. But many of these practical things in which they spoke of sprung from the center. The center being the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we can have various gifts. We can look different. We can talk different. We can have different preferences as it relates to to little things. But we can be united in service as it relates to our being devoted to Christ. I've said this before and I will continue to say it. There there are churches, and, and good churches by the way, there are some churches that's going to be known for how great and awesome their praise team or their choir is. And we have a great group too. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. There are going to be churches that's known for that and they're putting out records and all of that. And as long as the Lord is being highlighted, praise the Lord. There are going to be some churches that are known for their preachers. And you have one that's becoming a better preacher, I hope. But some churches, when you think of that church, you think of that preacher. He has books, maybe he has podcasts or whatever. There are other churches that uh, are going to be known for their youth ministries. I mean, we go to that church, the, the, the preaching is okay, the singing is, uh, is fine. But boy, our children love going there. And Again, these things can be either good or bad, depending on the spirit. But us at faith, while I want us, I want folks to appreciate us and the various giftings that the Lord has. Let us be a church that folks look at and they see we are a body that is devoted to our Savior. We worship him. We pray to him. We Live for him. Let us be a church that is united in our devotion to Christ. Amen? Amen. Secondly, let us be united in our love toward each other. I heard someone say this um, the other day um, in relation to their work environment. They said, you know, we don't really got to like each other. We don't even really have to get along per se. As long as we go out and do what we need to do as a team, that is fine. Maybe in that line of work. But as a church, may God's Spirit help us to be united in our love toward one another. Yes, we may rub one another the wrong way. Yes, we might get on each other's nerves from time to time. We are family in Christ. And if we interact with one another in a meaningful way, 
we will see good and we will see bad. It's easy to mire someone from far off because you only see the good in them. But the closer you get to someone, you see some of the stains. But that doesn't mean we should love one another any less. And we are called to not only be united to Christ, but we must be united in our love to one another. There should be no one in here walking alone. If you are down and in the dumps, we should be down in the dumps with you, helping you to come up. If you are rejoicing, we all should be rejoicing. If you are in need, we all should be there for one another. I told someone this before as somewhat a, as an illustration, and they kind of went a little too far with it, but I opened the door. I said, you know what? As a family in Christ, my car is your car. <laughs> and sure enough, can I use it? My home is your home. This is where Jesus says in the Gospels, you know, if you leave family, uh, if you leave friends, if you leave loved ones, well, know that you will gain that much more. It's the same thing with each other, brothers and sisters. We honor Christ, not only by our devotion to him, but our love to one another. And so, brothers and sisters, the disciples, as wild as they were, as crazy, perhaps, as they may have been, Jesus wanted them to love one another as he loved them. The third thing, we must be united in our witness to the world. First, we are united in our devotion to Christ. Secondly, we are united in our love to one another. Thirdly, we are united in our witness to the world. Whether we believe it or not, the world is watching us, for good or for bad. And in seeing us, they should see Christ. These disciples, these apostles, again, they are going to go out and they're going to proclaim the gospel, and they're going to not only proclaim the gospel, but they're going to live it out. And the world will see Christ in them. And yes, we talk about how they were persecuted, how they lost, most of them lost their lives for account of their faith, but we also must remember the flip side of the coin. Many came to Christ as a result of their faith. And brothers and sisters, how is it that the world is to see Jesus if not through his church? It is, again, important for us to remember that when we come in this building, yes, we are amongst one another and we are here to worship together and to fellowship and to encourage and maybe even to challenge one another, but we also have an audience outside of these walls that we're all called unto. And we must remember that as we serve Christ, the world is watching. And we either blaspheme the name of Christ in our actions, or we honor the name of Christ in our actions. 
The world must see us loving each other. The world must see us loving them. The world must see us serving not only Christ, but serving our neighbors. Whether they like us or not, whether they agree with us or not, we are called to be like Christ to a dying and broken world. Again, brothers and sisters, as I close, we have a variety of gifts, and we will, we will talk about how to embrace our diversity. But in our diversity, we can be united, and we should be united on a number of things. And so as Christ prayed this prayer, and he wanted them to be one, he is communicating this to them in light of their going out into the world. And so, brothers and sisters, I repeat, in being united in service, let us be devoted or united in our devotion to Christ, united in our love to each other, united in our witness to the world, and may the Holy Spirit help us in these things. Amen? Father, we... Thank you for your most holy word. And Father, we ask for one, that you would forgive us for the ways in which we have not been united. Forgive us if we have been like the Corinthian church, namely divisive with one another. And we pray, Lord, that by your spirit we would be United, And we thank you for the ways in which you have united us. You have united us in the cross. You have united us in your love toward us. And Father, we pray that you will help us to grow in our being one with one another. For this is your prayer. And we hear and we read your prayer. Help us, Lord, insofar as it depends upon us to live out what it is you prayed for on our behalf. We thank you that you have made us one with you. We thank you for that great gift. Help us to be one with each other. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Again, if you're able to rise, please do so for our closing song.